0: morning hey eric how's it going good can you hear me okay i can well it's nice to meet you you as well you as well and
1: I, I i feel like uh in a way i've uh no have a little insight on you having read about i don't know 60 70 pages of your book so far oh okay
0: well uh, I, I appreciate you reading it um what what are you uh what are your thoughts so far on it yeah so
1: um I mean you i guess you probably read parts of mine so i read yeah
0: i read that i actually read it yeah
1: i read it um completely yeah there are a lot of similarities between our books uh, i think yours is uh, i think more thoroughly researched and high-minded you obviously include a, a great deal more uh, 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 or to the extent that they're similar i mean um a lot more um uh, specific references in the bible and um Yeah, I I found that very interesting. Um, It it helps, right? There's a there's a a, a, something intentional about the way I wrote my book, and we can talk about that if you like. Yeah, I'd love to. I do acknowledge that um, I did leave out some specificity and specific references back, um, and so it was. um, I enjoyed reading your book. Is what I'm saying.
0: Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Um,
1: you know, toxic. Uh, do- to- toxic is it dogma? I'm forgetting the name of the section.
0: Uh, uh, oh, there's um, the first hundred pages or so. Yeah, it's it's it covers it covers, uh, toxic. Yeah, dogma and doctrine. That's it. Yeah, and then um, getting into the the, the God the Great and Terrible. You know, specific books of the Bible, um, and certain themes that that are really quite. I think troubling that the church and believers tend to look right past because they're taught to, you know, and the church doesn't talk about these things. So, but um, that's a whole other topic that I could easily
1: justify another book about how, um, how the church seems to ignore this for, for all kinds of reasons. But I I have this feeling that most Christians really don't embrace um, some of those things, a great, deal of those things and yeah. if they only really not just knew them but like understood them and acknowledged mm-hmm. how integral they are to the faith it would be a different whole different ball game
0: i agree 100 percent um i want to talk about all this i'm recording <laughs> it now so i mean this is all we will be preamble but um well let me do my introduction and, and we'll just get going because this is this is going to be a great talk great all right Hey everyone and welcome back to Between the Lines. And today we have a special guest, Eric Guthrie, otherwise known as Pastor Lucky. Eric, welcome to Between the Lines. Thanks, Mark. It's nice to meet you. You as well. Now, Eric, uh, you have a you have a book. Uh it's called Enemy Playbook: Powerful New Strategies Demonstrated by Skeptics to Raise Doubts in Christians. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, and cuz you you connected with me through another interview I did with Deborah Grace and her book Crucifying the Bible and uh, so I was I was really pleased that you you reached out to me and and that you shared your book and um even more grateful that you you bought a copy of Toxic and so I I do appreciate that and uh it's kind of nice to meet other people who see things in the the larger picture, you know, um, it, it, it took me a long time to find my tribe of people who were disenfranchised with the church and um, with their faith, you know, but that's one thing I really don't know much about your faith. So I, I got some questions. I mean, a lot of questions dealing with like writing and those kinds of things. Cause you know, this is a, a writing show, but, but beyond that, because of what you write about, I mean, there's still so many other things to talk about. So, um, but, but let me ask you that. Like what, was your religious upbringing
1: well i was actually before i get started i too wanted to kind of thank uh deborah grace for putting us in contact she's been uh she's really been a a friend to me but at at the very least she's been very helpful um provided guidance and and was generous with her time and um, she's obviously very knowledgeable about what she's writing about, so I just can't thank her enough for um, putting me in touch with you and all the assistance she provided me as a as a burgeoning author. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, to answer your question. Um, uh, th- were you asking about m- me as an author? I-
0: yeah, well, you know, we're going to talk about a lot of writing things, usually because most of my shows, interviews tend to focus on fiction writers. A lot of my questions skew towards fiction. Um, but Deborah was the first nonfiction writer, you know, and also we dealt with spirituality. And it was at a time where when we met that I was really it was, she was the first person I had met who finally found a, a very similar vein that i did to kind of tap into and to express why she's a non-believer and so it was uh it was like oh i'm not the only one and since then i've met a, a fellow other groups um i've met in a couple atheist writers groups although i'm not an atheist um i'm not sure well if when you continue reading toxic you will know my views on god um I'm I'm the only the slenderest of Martians am I holding on to the fact that there might be a God. Um, you know, if there's a God, I can accept that there's a deist God, just a creator God who's out there just, you know, just jerking off in space and creating things. Um, but but as far as the loving God that I was taught to believe in uh no i don't think that god exists but i love this topic i'm gonna jump
1: to it but I'm, i want to make yeah. sure that i answer your first question first sure. asked about me so i'm a i'm a business analyst and a technical writer um for my day job i've been doing that for gosh i guess close to 20 years now um uh and uh i uh oh i remember your question now uh, you're asking about what my real uh upbringing was, yeah
0: but no was. that's all that's all good i, I I do technical writing as well. So that's, that's even, that's great. We got something more to talk about um, as writers. Um, Yeah. My upbringing
1: was um, so
0: I I was brought up by,
1: I guess what you'd call agnostics. Um, You know, I, my parents did a a, a good job of trying to introduce me to religion. They certainly did not keep me from it. I was, uh, I I was put in parochial schools um, for like, 80% 80% of my my education before college, um, uh, and my parents tried to uh, uh, explain to me why having an open mind is important. So um, I got all the exposure I needed, but they were not believers. I mean, it's 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 hard to make yourself into one if
0: you aren't one, right? Right. Um, so, um, but you epistle- kind of tend to grow up in that. I mean, that that's you tend to you are. Like, I I always grew up in the church. It was just, this was the the lenses that I was given. Like, here's the worldview. Here's reality, you know? And that's just, you you have that assumption that this is reality, that we see so much in Christianity. They just assume they're right and everyone's wrong because it's part of the doctrine, you know? Um, And that's that's exactly the lenses I grew up with in a very fundamentalist, you know, Pentecostal background. And uh, that has a whole other can of worms to it, you know? For sure. Um, Yeah. You raised a point a second ago
1: about, um, you know, big picture. Um, How about how you you like to talk with somebody else who's seeing it from, a I guess, a 10,000 foot view, if that's what you meant. And, you know, that's an important issue to me. Um, You know, I'm the son of an academic, so I really appreciate um, attention to just detail, but um, I really like knowing that I'm listening to people who know exactly what they're talking about. Um, And so I really respect that um, kind of formal uh, pedagogy, that formal um, type of accruing knowledge and peer review. All that stuff really resonates me. Let me just make that very clear. Um, But, you know, I I really it, it occurred to me somewhere along the way that that approach is This is just my opinion, right? This is what suits me. But that level of detail and specificity and analytical nuance is, is inappropriate for looking at Christianity. And that may sound strange, but I just don't feel like Christianity ever provided any kind of basic evidence that ever would rose to the level where you would be... Um, using that kind of detail to, to analyze it. It's almost, I I keep using this analogy. I'm not sure if it's good or not, but if you and I drove along and saw a car smashed along the the side of the road, right next to a a guardrail that had a mark on it. And we just looked at it and said to each other, yep, there's a car that was in an accident and looks like it hit the guardrail. And somebody was standing there and said, no, no, the car wasn't in an accident. It it imploded on itself. And it just looks a lot like it was in an accident. And so we know that the next kinds of questions that would go into the research or investigation about this, right, it would not be calling you know, somebody from NASA who understands colors and spectroscopy to start looking at the paint to decide whether or not it, it actually touched other things and at what force level, those kinds of things. So it just, in a way, that kind of specificity seems like it just has no business in this discussion about the veracity of Christianity. So that's one reason why I wrote my book at the level that I did, was because that's the level I think this conversation should be at. We we really don't need to leave the shallow end of the pool to, to, to test it and to talk about it.
0: Yeah, that's where our books differ. Like you had said, I mean, I you know spent most of my professional life in academia, um, and I still am. So, uh, it's hard. I think, as I even mentioned in the book, you you can take the believer out of the academic, but you can't take the academic out of the apostate. Um, once once I had dealt with the emotional toll of becoming an apostate and realizing that everything I believed was just a bunch of shit. Um, and for you know, 40 years of cognitive dissonance Finally coming to a head You know it, My intention was never to write that book It was just I just started venting my emotions And all the things that bothered me About about Christianity and my belief And how angry I was And frustrated And, and you know, two days later When I had written 40 pages I'm like Oh, this needs to turn into something You know, I, I, I might as well And that's when, when Once the emotions were dealt with Then my It was better Easier for me to process academically, you know, do my, do my research and diligence. And for me, it wasn't as much like what your approach, I agree with you in some ways, because most, I think most Christians are rather ignorant of what their Bible says. They, they know the doctrine that's been taught to them, but they don't know their Bible. Um, you know, and I something I'd always known and, but once allowing me to to research and to be able to point out these very specific things, it was like taking taking the game to their yard, you know, with their rules, like, okay, fine, I'm going to force you to confront, you know, force Christians to confront what's in their Bible, since most of them lack knowledge. And that was my approach. That's just one of, you know, your approach is very different. We both see the same problem from different angles. And I think they're both important. So kind of, is it because you're position is it's really impossible to deal with irrational belief with rational thinking i mean is that why you really kind of don't need to be you know have overkill in this area well um sure
1: i get that question but before i answer it i'll I'll tell you what's interesting um firstly and that was what you said about your your writing approach was which was quite different from mine it seems like you had a um a, a cathartic phase uh, wow. initially to, to kind of vent and get these things out, maybe just see what they look like on paper or see how you feel after you've, you've expressed them narratively. Um, and then the analytical side of of Mark review, of you, you know, came out. And that's interesting for me. It was, uh, it it's the opposite, but it was quite different where I had ideas building up. I had these kind of thoughts and what I sounded to me, uh, some, maybe some chunks of wisdom in there, mixed in there somewhere. So, and I found myself having several hundred pages of rather poorly organized, just kind of independent thoughts. And I thought, okay, I've got a book's worth, right? And only through that process did I did I end up throwing out like the vast majority of that. And that was really just the seed. That was the starting point. Going through the culling of all that kind of writing prep stuff is what started something that then later on was actually a process to me so um it's quite different mm-hmm. but um why don't you ask me that question uh again about the the rationality of thought i didn't quite catch it
0: um i, I was approaching it because you said we don't need to go beyond the shallow end of the pool and and i was just uh, trying to articulate that in a, in a way that i've my my version of or view of that it's like it's impossible to deal with irrational belief with rational thinking you know that's the thing it's hard to provide facts and and information because christians are taught to push everything through the god sieve you know and facts aren't important it's your faith when especially when your religion tells you to lean not to your own understanding and let and we see through a glass darkly, even though God gave all these books to them to understand himself, you know, understand God, He just says, "You know, just just don't expect to understand, and don't think too much, just just trust and and to me, that's dangerous thinking, and that's what prevents a lot of Christians from accepting truths about their Bible because they're not taught, they're ignorant, you know, um, and that's in the truest sense of the word, they lack understanding because the church isn't going to tell them about the Gospel of Matthew. No one knows who wrote that, so we slap that name on. They're not going to say, "Yeah, the end of this book of Mark, the last twelve ch- verses up here, uh, that was those were added on t- two hundred years later." You know, they're not going to say those kinds of things. Or, "Yeah, the flood myth—that was a twelve hundred years old by the time it, whoever put it in Genesis did." You know, they're not going to say those things because then it undermines the doctrine that this is God's word and it's seamless and perfect and all this jazz. You know, so you can't. Those f- facts don't tend to mean much to Christians because they just said, well, God, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to break that, uh, that wall. Yeah. I,
1: I, I, that certainly resonates with me, what you're saying. Um, I'll tell you, I'm, I may have a, an even less orthodox view than many agnostics um, and and atheists, if that's what you want to call me. Um, And, and that is that, uh, yes, it's true that you really have to suspend, um, a lot of rationality to believe in 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 christianity but i mean let's face it if that god were real and if he were true he could be exhibiting divinity he could be performing miracles he, he could be resolving contradictions even some paradoxes i suppose so right like i just don't see any you know there's not a whole lot of uh 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 sway you're going to put to the christian because when you try to explain things in terms of evidence and uh and and rationality they're they're going to be thinking along the lines of what i just explained look this is god we're talking about right Right. he can do whatever he wants right exactly
0: it's in the bible don't you (laughs) exactly they use the bible to prove the bible's validity right
1: so my well i guess what I've evolved to think. I, I didn't fully exhibit what I'm telling you now until the res- this book was completed. This this book helped me grow um, in my in my, my way of thinking because um, I used a lot of s- some uh, evidence-based arguments in my book even. But now I think the questions need to be even more reductionist, right? These questions need to, to be asked at the very fundamental level and go no further than that, really. What I mean to say is specifically, there are matters such as God putting people in this world with traits that he gave to them. He created a place of of horror that is a place that he sends people if they don't return his love for him. This, you can't call that love. That's a that's an important thing. And
0: no, but they will say it's because God is so holy and righteous. You know, that's the argument. And it's because we're all, all the world is the way it is because of the original sin. We're all to blame. You know, and we're all sinners and and we don't deserve God's love, you know i mean that's 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 the line that you're fed and and it's reinforced right. with all those horrible you know songs you it know. is it, i mean I get it, and see there here there again, I get
1: it, and that could very well be the way it is. God could be kind of a hard ass right sure. there's there's a there's a there's something that you're 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 not going to be satisfied with in terms of a normal relationship you're he's cruel perhaps right that could be the case i i acknowledge yeah, that yeah
0: if the bible had said boy god's a dick and he's just cruel and he's just a bastard and and he's just a motherfucker that's that's then okay that's i see more of that <laughs> you know but he's going to ignore the police. case
1: right right see, exactly god asserts god asserts love and when you assert love you you cannot confl- uh, conflate love as humans understand it as recipients of love you cannot have a a cogent definition for what love is that that is conflated with that kind of cruel um behavior that that may be something right i i acknowledge it there may be something else that that gods can have for for their subjects or for people or for ha- perhaps other gods or what have you uh, um, but but that that's not love because love only means something as it relates to how humans feel like they're being treated you know if i love you uh mark and uh, right it what it means in the, in the sense that that god has used it in order to make people feel at ease with with being a part of the the faith and accepting revelation is i care about you I get you, I empathize with you the problems you're going through I get um, i uh, your well-being matters to me right that's that's what love means or is what God wants people to think he means when he says love and we that that is a a wonderful healthy, holistic definition of love, and anything beyond that, anything that includes acts of cruelty, where there's retribution given, um, where loyalty is not returned. This is clearly not love. It may be something else, but that's not love. And if you think it's love, then love loses its definition. And that's a, I'm not really giving it justice. I think I want to expand more on that in the the months ahead, but that's a very important
0: theme I'd like to uh, expand on sounds good uh so by expanding you mean you're working on another book or are you going to work on an, another edition of this book
1: i have another project i'm i'm working on i i definitely would like to write another book i'm trying to think about what's going to be the 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 case that makes the most sense to make to mm-hmm. an audience that i have would have access to mm-hmm. um, um but uh but i'm also working on a, a a study about prayer i'd like to um i'd like to provide a a better approach to uh, showing the efficacy um, of prayer on supernatural acts in in ways that some of the studies that you probably know about, about um, the effectiveness of prayer, uh, have shown shortcomings. Um, I think there's some real fertile ground there. And, um, I even think, even though it's sort of counterintuitive, I might be able to get um, Christians on board um, to uh, this kind of effort that I'm talking about. And there were Christians and um, even nuns and and monks, I believe as, uh, that participated in some of those prayer analysis studies that, that like I said, that you probably know about. Um, so um, I'd like to do that, but I'd also like to write another, book as well once i
0: can formulate a a good uh a thesis so you're staying in the non-fiction genre for you or are you thinking maybe one day you might enjoy writing fiction
1: oh gosh uh my my wife is a, a really a, a good writer right she can really formulate um good stories and um think in a really non-linear fashion so i think I'm going to leave any of the possibility of a, a fiction story in this family of mine to, to my wife, if that ever happened. Um, uh, but so no, no, I mean, this this is more um, my writing. Um, it it uh, is really just a function of my, my doing a lot of writing. I sort of, I don't know if I got good at it, but I, I, I learned how to be efficient with my time and organize my thoughts. Okay. And come up with a, 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 some some ways to make a good argument and I, I i did become passionate about this topic right i there's something it's an like, oh go ahead i'm sorry i interrupted yeah, i was go just ahead. gonna say it, it just it just became weirdly fascinating how inaccessible christians seem to be to to persuasion and it just got me further and further and further and further down the rabbit hole of well what would it take to right to change mind right <laughs>
0: Yes. Sorry, precisely. you were say no, no. I was just gonna. You were kind of intimating where I wanted to go. It was just like how how did you get to this book? You know, being an agnostic okay. and not having a big catharsis or years of of uh, cognitive dissonance tearing you apart, and and not studying, having studied the Bible and doctrine thoroughly, perhaps um, as an agnostic or an atheist or whatever. Why would you? You know, but. So that was my next question because you also interviewed Christians for your book to kind of see their beliefs, and that's why I'm fascinated about this process. Like how how did you approach these believers, and or did it just come from an uh, your experiences with them, talking with them, or were they very open about why they refused to listen to evidence and and why they could make arguments? Because it all it becomes all circular, you know. Eventually, it all points to well. God is God and he's always good. We're not meant to understand. Um, we're not supposed to trust our own. Or saying, just have faith. I mean, these are things that, you know, it doesn't matter what evidence you throw against faith. Um, you know, it, it, that's, it, it just doesn't matter how much because they refuse. A lot of Christians won't, like you said, will not, it's not that, well, they won't bend, but they also don't even want to acknowledge anything that could be challenging to their faith. You know, my family has pretty much like, just done this to me because um, they just don't want to deal with it. You know, uh, they just, they just refuse to acknowledge it or try to understand it. You know, some still try to like invite me to church and just think that that's all I need. Just, I just need to come back to Jesus. And I'm like, y- you have no clue what I know. I know your Bible better than you. I'm asking you to simply confront these verses and tell me what it means to your faith, but they refuse. You know,
1: yeah, and like you said that that's that's a a a theme that's a point I make in the first third of the book so um uh, I want to make sure I answer your question but the the book is organized into basically three sections the first one is where I sort of make a case of what the what I think the the mindset and 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 um issues are with the Christian way of thinking, then I go on to give some strategies to to uh, help a skeptic uh, have more fruitful discussions with the Christian. And then I introduce what I call scenes, which are basically vignettes or scenarios that introduce a story, a picture and some pretty penetrating leading questions that should form the basis of a, of a, of a lively debate. But to answer your question, um, the, uh, the process was, I wanted to do a field study, right? I, 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 I'm not a researcher I did not create a formal study but I did want this to be ground in something more than just you know Eric's ideas right um, so that my hope was that it would provide um, a little bit more grounding in my assertions and, and testing of them and it, and it did uh, it, it I'm so glad that I, I did that but I found them on social media and just on the web um, I offered them a uh, well, um, compensation for their time, and um, I spent two, three, I think uh, two or three, sometimes four hours with some of them. Um, and there were ten Christians uh, that I interviewed, and there was a range of—I uh, could call it committedness, but there's no there's no exact word. Maybe it's devoutness, but some of them were were very uh, serious about their. Uh, their faith and others um, seemed to be able to have a slightly more objectivity about it. Um, but they were all very friendly, very nice. Um, and it was, it was, uh, it was very interesting. I did not, I did, I decided not to try out the book on them. In other words, I did not take my arguments and say, well, let me show the world that they work. And so I'm going to debate some Christians and watch this. Sure. I, did not, I decided not to do that. I, I instead, wanted to, um, uh, uh, like I said, kind of uh, hone some of my arguments better based on the responses I heard back from them. So I would sort of gently introduce some of these ideas. I would explain to them why I felt that way. And then we would have a very gentle kind of back and forth about it. Uh,
0: That that sounds like a great way to approach because you're coming to them as someone who's questioning and uncertain. So you don't cause any threat. That that's how I perceive it, you know. And I know I'm very threatening, because I of of again, it's nothing nothing that I go out of my way to do to to say I'm going to bring your faith down as much as that. You know, uh, because I know the scriptures fairly well, I can make a good argument. I can point out things that they had don't know about. I know about Bible history and how things were done, and a little bit about that kind of study. And so it automatically puts them on the defensive. And especially since I used to be a believer, they just tend to think that Satan's got me or that I'm just full of sin. You know, that's the, like I've made a shipwreck of my faith because I've done something and that um, Satan's talking through me or some ridiculous stuff, you know? And so I, I like your approach. I can see why they might want to open up to you because then that gives them opportunity to kind of, share their faith and and proselytize a little bit too.
1: Yeah, they did. And I, uh, my book is replete with uh, reminders and justifications for why uh, I think respect and empathy are just, um, it's part of the strategy, right? That's basically what I, what my book was. If you want to get anywhere, you need to think of this more, this intransigence that Christians exhibit about their faith um, more as a problem of uh, of of n- tight knots in a in a string that's going to take a lot of time and effort to uh to to untangle and that you're go- you're only going to be able to do that if you're being very uh uh cognizant of where they come from that they probably have good reasons for believing these things and you're also going to have to be doing um uh almost artificially exhibiting your own flexible perspective, right? You're going to be showcasing for them so that they can model, hopefully in time over how you uh, formulate your thoughts, how you can see things objectively. And that's only going to happen if they, if they know that you're earnest, that you care about them. And uh, there's another thing i i recommend i probably should have made more of this it's just one of the strategies that, that i added but i recommend to my readers or to, or to debaters of christians to abandon the position of of there being no god when they have debates and what i mean by that is um or the reason i say that is because it's the least defensible thing, I think, that that a, a, a an agnostic can have, or a, a non-believer of Christianity can have. Neither you nor me nor anyone can prove whether there is or isn't a god. To maybe to your original point, Mark, and so to have any kind of, you know, uh, to to use there not being a god as some kind of uh, uh, implicit foundation of where you're coming from in that argument just automatically is going to turn off a Christian. And it should. You don't have certainty about that. I know you don't because you don't know anything that I don't know about that. So I think it's important. I personally think it's important to sort of be okay with people having a a kind of a, a general, very abstract idea of a God, right? If we were all theists, right? If everybody believed in God, And they just didn't know much about what his attributes were or what he does or what the capabilities are, or whether there's any kind of, you know, uh, uh, moral refereeing going on or whether he was merely just a, 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 a form of energy that sort of kicked off the universe. Who knows? But if everybody had that kind of inert, a sense of God, this would be a pretty happy place, right? So I that's an important thing that I think will help bring authenticity and make it authentic when you, when you exhibit, uh, 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 that, that empathy.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of religions have a lot more tolerance for those outside of their religion than Christianity does. That's, that's a, a main sticking point. I see, uh, because they believe Jesus says I'm the only way, and uh, every other way is uh, just a satanic trap, um, and so even the most loving, gentle of religions, you know, Buddhism or Shinto, are disregarded as some kind of satanic, you know, deception. Which, which, um, you know, it's it's hard to to assail those those beliefs when you've grown up being indoctrinated, you know, with them. But uh, yeah, it. it yeah, it, that's the that's the rub, I think, because as I was reading through your scenarios and I think some of them are very similar to what I write about in toxic, as you, you'll find when you when you as you finish, okay. but especially like the one where the guy, you know, he pushes uh, his friend in the mud or, you know, the other guy in the mud or in the pit, you know, and then, then brings him out. And then um, that's the salvation story, isn't it? I mean, that's the gospel message uh, where God damned us so he could save us and then make us worship him the rest of our lives, you know, all through eternity uh, because of his greatness. And um, that that's what I point at the flaws in that thinking, uh, you know, or where Jesus heals the blind guy. And he says, well, this guy was born created this way so that I could receive glory. I'm like, wait a minute, what, what kind of, what kind of horrible psycho parent would blind their children just so they could cure them and then get glory out of it later on. You know, it's just very psychopathic, you know? Um, and so those are the kinds of things that I, I pointed. Out that's very similar in the idea that trying to help people, what I call meta faith, this concept of being shoved in the water to drown only to be rescued and, and to say, Oh, thank you. The rescue and the rescuer never let you forget the favor that he did. I saved you from drowning, even though I pushed you in, you know, that that totally resonated with me in that regard yes that's uh yeah the the
1: story the the vignette in my book is called the hole i saved you from yeah and it's it's it, i don't i don't know well i know now but i or i think i know now but i i didn't understand why that argument wasn't more powerful um to christians why I didn't make them stop and you know scratch their head about about the whole basis of the religion, but um, yeah, I think I think I think that so much of the, the topics about testing Christianity's veracity that go toward philosophy or um, or uh, some of the co- the cosmological argument, um, analyzing Bible contradictions, they they just aren't going to penetrate um christians um that that if they if they were going to work they would have worked right that i'm sure everybody who goes to that to that area to those links to talk about that kind of stuff figured that 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 those would be effective responses to christians right but but they're not so that's why i say that that there should be more focus on the higher level fundamental questions and it sh- these should be circled these should be just there should be just be variations at a very high level um because the the detailed ones don't make any difference we already discussed that earlier that christians would have no problem thinking that uh god could could get around those problems um so um yeah, I mean, higher level issues, uh, I, there's another individual who made a, making very strong argument about the immorality of God, for example, to even bring people into existence without giving them a, an option to opt out, right? He defines morality as um, any imposition uh, on another being uh, against their will and so for god to b- force people into a world that they may not want to be in is intrinsically immoral and if he truly is as as he and others uh, assert is omnibenevolent then just by definition a, a better world a more moral world would be one in which you had the option to opt out and go to another world another universe of your choosing
0: yeah, not you play the game right
1: you'd still be able to live in this world and if you wanted right. to, to experience and, and be shaped by and mature with these the hard uh, lessons that this world offers you certainly could remain here but you you wouldn't have to Now that's a very powerful argument to me and so arguments like this at the high level are seem to be where we ought to corral this this Mm -hmm. discussion
0: i think this is where my experience of being a toxic believer for decades comes into play and to help you understand the toxic mindset which is what i do a lot of in toxic is by because i used to be there i was one of them i know exactly what they're going to respond is response is going to be and and what you said there yeah philosophically it, it makes certain sense, but you're saying morality in the way that we are limited to as human beings. And you've, you've kind of forgotten the argument as well. God is God. He could do whatever he wants. You know, we're just these lowly pieces of clay that he made us. Um, and he's the argument will skew towards, but he saved us. He gave us a way out of our horribleness, you know, which again, it's complete rubbish, but, that That is the that's the fallback, because what what you've fortunately not had to endure your whole life growing up in the household that you did was the doctrine, the indoctrination of all these beliefs that I've had to tear down, you know, and write about. So I, I feel like I'm an insider, like I know the stuff inside and out. Um, and, and that's why I try to write about those things because I know the toxic mindset when you were talking, I was, I was like formulating the responses that a a, a toxic Christian would throw at you and how I know on the unassailable belief, because at the high level of things, the ultimate answer is going to be, well, God's God. And I'm not. So, you know, and how do you get past that? You know, I mean, and that's, that's why I didn't try to, I, I didn't, I didn't try to fight that as much as use it, you know, use it in saying, look, uh, I know what you believe. And, and, and that's why I went to say, okay, let's, let's go with your belief. This is the word of God. And I'm not going to do any spinning or tricks or anything. I'm simply going to show you what it says and and let you answer for these things. And, and that's what the tactic that I took. But um, so I think they're both very difficult, both challenging. You know, as someone who's rational thinking like you, your philosophical points and your scenarios make sense to me. Like, I get it. I'm right there with you. But when you, the doctrine that you're fighting against tells you not to trust your rational brain and to simply just trust God and that God is God and we're not supposed to understand his ways, then that becomes part of the problem, you know?
1: It certainly does um,
0: <laughs> yeah yes, I know it's difficult it's it's really frustrating, you know,
1: yeah, um i'm like i said i i'm uh i don't know if I said I was a nerd, but I am, and so i i i really enjoy the 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 minute details of uh the arguments like that that you really. Uh, you really break them out. You really expand on these things in your book. So I'm I'm really enjoying it even on on 70 or something pages in. Um, uh, So um, I I guess maybe the, what I've come away with from the book is that, you know, there's no slam dunk, right? I didn't throughout, not not in whatever thoughts that I have or original um, ideas that I had, not through the the slog of writing a book and not at this point after the fact uh, have I come up with um, the way to make a a difference that that's like a pill so to speak right um, but I do think that um, I do think that there's a there's a a, a path where people of on either side of it, right, believers and non-believers can talk, and if if there's enough empathy and the arguments are, are constrained, if that is to say, if people use these kind of vignettes to discuss topics and um, use some of the techniques that I've given to help keep um, uh, folks from going off into entirely different philosophical tool belts to discuss things then it helps and that's a big part of what I wanted to put forth and what I think is helpful is that uh-huh. if, even even with this this simplistic instrument that I've, I've given which is a uh, a picture right or draw a picture right there's something kind of uh, low level or maybe silly or something sounding about insisting that people use pictures but Goodness. I like your pictures.
0: No. I thought they were helpful, and and like Kirk Vonnegut uh, was a cat's cradle. Is that the one where he draws pictures? And um, you know, I no, I think they're they're simple. They're great illustrations. That's why we have icons. You know, they're they're representations of something. So that's how the early people before they could read. This is how they were taught with pictures. You know, so it it makes perfect sense.
1: But I use them not to be trite, and I I put a lot of effort into avoiding sarcasm and mockery. Mm -hmm. The pictures are are meant to expand on a strategy I made in the strategy section of the book, where I explained that constraining the discussion is important. Um, Having there be some ground rules to where the conversation can go. I specifically talked about the the, the very easy escape route that... um, Probably anybody can do it, but in this discussion, Christians will use the ability to move between uh the the, the matters of whether the, the Christian Christianity is true and whether there's a God. Those it's very easy to answer questions. You kind of did it a couple of minutes ago, I I noticed. Um, and it's so easy to for them to get out of answering one question by going to the to the other direction, right? So I think it's, it really helps the discussion and it's, it's earnest, right. To explain, to say to them up front, let's not do that. This is why I will be able to get out of answering your questions. And this is why you'll be able to escape from answering mine. So let's be very careful. Let's use this picture to help um, constrain it. Let's only talk about it in this context. And I, I'm not sure if it's going to solve the problem, but I, I think it'll be helpful.
0: No, I love the approach. Um, you know i'm again cuz you're you're approaching it with such a gentle hand whereas mine was a sledgehammer you know and it because you we were coming from different emotional states i was writing out of anger and frustration and and just feeling ripped off and and feeling lied to and just you know feeling like my god 40 years of my life has just been you know 50 years of my life has just been wasted you know um and all that guilt and all the horrible things that come with Christianity, the feelings of worthlessness and the depression that comes with it. And just the awfulness, you know, who's going to pay me for that? You know, I, I I want retribution. Um, And so you're coming from a, from a much healthier place of approaching things with, with the gentle hand. And mine was anything but because I, I, I was writing a book fueled with at rage, you know, but Academic rage, you know. I, like <laughs> I can turn my. You have a you have a, a gentle hand where I'm saying I'm just going to shove it in your face. But, um, I, I did want to ask through your process that you've come up with these scenarios and and you were limiting to the discussion to these very specific areas and agreeing on the on you know kind of the rules of the discussion. Did you find, in uh, talking with anyone who is a believer, have you found that you were able to kind of loosen up any of these knots in the giant ball at all, or make any kind of progress. And the fact that they could say, you know, I never really considered that. I, I have to think more about that. Cause in some ways that's a success, you know?
1: Yes. So like I said, I didn't, um, I didn't try to, nor did I actually prove out the effectiveness of my arguments to, to change a mind, uh, in total, but, but yes, they do start to work. I noticed, um, when, um, I would talk about them and ask the same questions over and over. That's another theme I gave is repeating things in slightly different ways and slightly different, um, formats, um, that it got them to answer the question differently and in a more expanded way as time went on. Um, I noticed that some of them wanted to, uh, were, would be quicker to want to change the subject when I asked the question, the third, the fourth, the fifth time. And I was careful not to badger, right? I'm not just saying, Hey, let me ask you this again. Right. It wasn't Mm -hmm. like that. You, 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 you camouflage the next iteration of the, of the very same matter so that they can think about it um, uh, differently. Right. That, that, that difference in perspective is in my opinion is, is all important. So yes, Mark, it, 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 it did start to work. Um, I can't wait to put it into practice more Mm -hmm. going forward now that I'm finished with it, because I would like to be able to, uh, showcase its effectiveness in a more straightforward way. After all, it is a debate book. I put forth strategies. I tell you that they work. I I'd like to, to have a, a better, uh, track record of, of being able to show them, but that I, I do have good reason to believe they do.
0: Yeah. Well, that's great. Um, you know i there are only a couple people i've been able to debate my faith with and and one uh we were in, we were in church together for for quite a long time she's a good friend of mine and although she's not a she's left the church but she's still struggling with her faith and she read she read toxic um and and she she has her own takes on these issues. So I know that she's still a believer. She's just disenfranchised with the religious aspect and the church aspect. And the other was a cousin of mine who who definitely we both came into it knowing we weren't going to convince the other. And we loved each other, you know, so it wasn't like we were trying to. It was just a matter of talking through things. Um, that itself I think is helpful. You know, and I I appreciate the gentle hand with which you approach these things and that's something that I uh I don't think I'll ever be able to get to because I'm gonna spend the rest of my life processing, you know, uh religious trauma syndrome. But I'm glad that that, that you found success in this and that you've been able to kind of walk that that walk in a way with a, approaching things in a in a philosophical way and a rational way, and that you've kind of kind of came up with these these concepts. Um did you, t- the, the Christians that you interviewed, were they aware that you were, you were, you were writing a book about this, correct? Or what was the context in which that you interviewed them? Yes, Unless you asked were. it. Yeah. Yes, they were aware. I made it very clear. I, I I asked
1: them to acknowledge the the disclaimer that I wanted to be able to use this in the discussion of and promotion of the book. I mean, that was made okay. very, very clear mm-hmm. to all of them. Um 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 but the 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 context of it was research for the book right i want to mm-hmm. talk with you about the topics i've written and find out what you think do they work am i am i saying things that make sense to you um okay uh, right I, I wanted to find out if i was just if i if my thoughts were a bunch of recycled arguments that that they had never thought of or maybe that were just as offensive as anything else they've heard right I didn't I didn't know and you don't know those things until you sit down and talk to five or ten people and see sure. what happens right? right exactly uh, so um and well, let's see just to expand on it more um I, I do have uh, I have videotaped all the I didn't tape it um but there's videos of all of them but I haven't put them on my website yet. Um, and I need to do that. So that's, that's going to happen. And it's, it's interesting. I'll, I'll take, uh, excerpts, um, just, be, just only because of the time, uh, elements that they remain interesting. But, um, you know, a lot of them have, have moved b- between faiths, right. Or between denominations. A lot of them have had struggles, um, uh, with, um, either how their faith helps them with some mental struggles that they're having or um uh, having crises in their their faith at times and then moving to other denominations i found it was just fascinating but as i said in the book um the 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 things that were common to them um uh were were striking to me and it's that consistency right there's this um um we we talked earlier you and i did about this this refusal right and i I, this is a theme in the first part of my book i'm stating christians have a implicit subconscious refusal to in this one domain to consider things out that that the christianity the bible jesus aren't true it's a and i i talk specifically about how it's it's there's a very odd border around this area they seem can be very friendly and open to hearing you right it's not like they're they're not hearing what you're saying it's not like they're saying why don't you skip to a subject that we can actually talk about that's not how the christians i talked to reacted it was it it had all the trappings of a normal rational conversation that you figured would culminate in somebody going, Hmm, that's a good question. I, maybe I should explore that more, but it didn't come to that. And in my conclusion, it's somehow those thoughts that you're putting out there, those ideas, they, they don't quite, they're not allowed to intermingle with the part of the belief forming mind where where revision to ideas happens right at, at its core right I, I don't presume to to be a neuroscientist and tell you what exactly is happening or, or a psychologist but i'm telling you that the psych the christians i spoke to listened they were very much trying to have a a, a good uh earnest conversation with me and the ideas just just Penetrate. It did not penetrate. They, they, they bounce off. They, they. Uh, the, the faith test, as I put it, um, just is not allowed to occur. So you have to be aware of this uh, very kind of unusual cordoning off of uh, consideration about facts in this one domain. Right. I, I hope it's very clear. Right. In what me and what I'm saying now and in my book that I don't believe. You know christians are you can generalize them as as, as n- not bright or 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 they're not that that they don't know how to think straight and you can see that in other aspects of their life no it's a very specific domain with a very specific phenomenon that's going on which is absolutely
0: fascinating right because in, in other other aspects of their lives they could you know, like, like most people can use rational thinking. If they're a a Christian scientist or a doctor, they believe in science. It's not like they're rejecting all those things and they're flat earthers and those kinds of things. We're not, not saying that at all, but no, I agree. There's an unassailable part of faith. It's like people will do anything for their convictions except challenge them or question them, you know? And, And I think that's, that's because it's troubling to do so. Because especially the longer you've held the belief, if you're taught this, it becomes so fundamentally earth shattering and reality sharing, shattering. You don't know what the existential reality of anything is. Your metaphysics are completely blown blown out of the water. You know, mine were. I felt like the cosmic rug had been pulled up and I'm just standing in space, like hovering, like there's no ground underneath me anymore. Everything that I thought was true was gone. And I'm like, who, what do I have? To, to believe in any more faith. And I realize, oh, it's me. I can believe in myself. Um, but it is a horrible thing to feel that reality fracturing. And so I think the psyche protects against that. It is more easy to swallow the pill that Christianity presents you than to accept the shattering fact of the reality behind the religion. And and I think that's more that's more troubling because then what are you left to believe in? You know, I, I think that's what you're that's, talking that's,
1: about. What you're talking about is just is the shortcoming that I that I have. The biggest shortcoming I think that I have w- when I'm trying to write a book on this subject, and that is, I, I just I can't imagine that. Or I I can try to imagine it, but I really can't get inside and and understand just how powerful it is. And even if I could, it it doesn't make a difference because if there's indoctrination going on, right? Indoctrination is effective, whether we're talking about religion or, or in
0: some, in some other political, era. political, the same way, right. As we see in our nation, we're just being torn this way because everyone is taking a side. It can be only one or the other. I'm like, no, it can't be. We've got a whole spectrum of beliefs. So don't, don't fall into this lie. No, indoctrination is dangerous, no matter where it comes from.
1: I should also say that uh, this is probably a good time to mention that I've sort of changed the, how i'm approaching this whole matter right it, it to me the obvious way to uh, the reason you'd write a book like this is to convince people to stop being christian hey wake up listen these ideas don't make sense this is what you should believe right so i was kind of proselytizing from my own uh, uh agnostic uh way of thinking right a vacuum of a of a of a god idea so to speak but now I, I'm I'm mellowing out more. Um now I want to kind of explore uh more about good ways to um uh, have very fruitful, honest discussions between uh, uh believers and non-believers. I want to find out, I want to get more into the loosening of those those knots. I want people to um I want people to be able to to have more civil discussions. I want people to be able to trust one another more when they're having discussions. I want to, I don't want to be a part of anything that adds the coarseness to the, this discussion. There's no point in that to me. um, And there's a point not to do that. I think that's very important. Um, So that's kind of where my where I'm going now with it.
0: (laughs) That's good because we are demonizing one another mercilessly, you know, politically and, and every other thing. I think social media has made us monsters out of a lot of us, a lot of brave keyboard warriors out there. You know, you say something you don't like and they'll eviscerate you, you know, and Uh, to be able to disagree on things and still be civil to one another. And, and, you know, like I, I still have friends and family who are believers and I love them. It just, they, they know that I'm not a believer and that's, they struggle with that. But at the end of the day, I hope it doesn't change their love for me, you know, and, and the friends I have who are believers, I, 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 I'm not going to ridicule them. I I want them to see my position. All I want is for understanding. I guess that's that's all I'm looking for. Just know why I be, I don't believe anymore. That's all, you know. I I'm not trying to change their mind at all or make them stop believing like like you, but having a civil discussion about beliefs and non-beliefs would be wonderful. And, and if we could come to that place in this country cuz that would be really healing cuz man, we we tear each other apart. We are quickly dividing into two camps and we got to find a way to stop this. You know, it's just awful. What's happening.
1: I, I couldn't agree more. Um, yeah. That's, that's the the noble goal that I have some, that I have interest and in, maybe a, a little bit of uh, influence on at this point. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, that would be, that would be wonderful. Oh, um, tell me a little bit about, you know, the, the pseudonym you're going by pastor lucky. How did this persona come into being? um
1: well you know i don't come at this with uh an interesting background um or a lot of agnostics and atheists i've noticed come from kind of where a story that's not too different from yours where they've been indoctrinated it's been a, a very intense style of christianity and now they're here to tell the tale from the other stand and how how bad it was and so i wanted to have um i I thought in lieu of that why don't i have something interesting as the the kind of author that people look to um since i'm a little more boring than than that so there's a story one of the vignettes in the book is called pastor lucky's magic cure-all and it's basically about a, a a snake oil salesman um, um, pitching some elixir to somebody who has cancer, right? And the brother of this person goes and looks and finds a traveling carnival and realizes it's nothing more than um, a a snake oil um, scenario and just sees what the nature of that story is. And it's really... um, somebody who's charismatic who can play games with themselves and with others convinces themselves and others that they can do something that other people can't and those other people get convinced and they go evangelizing these ideas and spreading the word and testifying to its powers and all of a sudden you've got this legend that forms around one of these things and you know the the facts just sort of go out the window because it just kind of works and you just don't get it until you get it kind of thing and and i hope it's clear at this point just how much this aligns with the jesus as god story so to answer right the concerns, gospels
0: right because christians don't answer ask the question who was there in the desert with jesus to record what happened you know <laughs> right they, yeah. they and they don't know like hey this yeah. book was written 50 years after his death they don't understand the historical context of the the of the, the the huge messianic push for a Messiah that was going on around around the time Jesus was supposedly around and before that, and the, the influence of Zoroastrianism and yeah, you know, they don't they don't get that, you know.
1: That's right, that's right, and that's that's probably an even better point than I was making, but it was just that, no, no, that I was just piggybacking,
0: piggybacking on yours. Sorry, but right, I, I agree. When I read that, I'm like, oh yeah i saw it it's like watching the life of brian you know monty python it's like it's so close it's probably very close to that blessed are the cheesemakers what you know it, it it was probably when and i remember being so a feeling it was such a blasphemous movie back when i first saw it you know because i was a christian at the time and I'm like oh i don't man their guys are going to hell You <laughs> know, and now when i watch it i'm like oh god this is probably really closer to the truth than not you know uh this because it's a game of phone. It's the phone game. You know, I I slice my f- f- paper cut on my finger and I call my mom and then 15 relatives later, I get a call. Oh, Mark, I heard you sawed your hand off. Oh, my God, are you okay? You know, the story just grows. And I'm like, imagine a 50-year phone game. That's what the Gospels are, you know? So much so that by the second century, forget the guy's name I mentioned him in Toxic, where he had to say explain it all, like, "Oh, uh, God must have given them perfect memory, divine memory." That that's it, it explains it. And then ever since then, for nineteen hundred years, that's been the story. It just accepted. it. Some guy said, "Yeah, perfect memory." Okay, and everyone else just like swallows it, you know, without even thinking. Yeah, and and and
1: depending on you know what they're kind of their how passionate they are about it right it's either a matter of them just not knowing about it not really wanting to think it bears exploring or it's one of these matters where if god wanted to he could just make it all work right through all the mistakes through all the craziness that went along the way The the net result is what he intended right he knew right exactly
0: through all things god god works right all things work toward the glory of god right yeah so yeah i've
1: I've abandoned those kind of arguments that these are the kinds of things i'm talking about when you start talking about what's what's rational it 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 just doesn't track
0: with them you're never going to get anywhere I know it's 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 insanely frustrating to, you know, I'm not sure if I included this passage, I very well could have um, or to me, it feels like I'm in Dante's hell, you know, I'm pushing up that boulder and I know it's going to crush me, you know, I know it's going to roll back on me, but I am compelled to push that damn rock up the hill, you know, because I have to I am screaming at the top of my lungs. You know, I'm holding up the book, <laughs> it, it, or it's like soil and green. It's made of people. You know, or I'm holding up the cookbook to serve man. It's a cookbook. It's a cookbook. You know, and everyone else is like, "What? I, I don't. I'm not hearing it." You know, and that that's that's kind of the the hell I'm living in. Right. <laughs> that's, and so it's just like uh, it's become a Kafka esque nightmare. <laughs> I just I have to do it though. I can't not. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah. I never it's... felt this much fervor and passion to preach the gospel probably because at an early age, <laughs> I knew the cognitive dissonance by the age 10, it was like already like tearing me apart, you know, and there was something just intrinsically wrong with the story, but this I'm a hundred percent convinced of, I'm completely happy to, to share and proselytize. You know, <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: there was a, <clears throat> I think it's the last, uh, scene in the book a, a vignette where i talk about um where i help the reader imagine a scenario where um bible scholars stumble upon you know the first copy of the bible right and there are two pages that they just now discover are stuck together right and so there's going to be some new information and they're just about to read it right the world all the christians are going to get to hear something from the bible from the bible that they've never heard before and so but you have to think about what that means right what what if it doesn't comport with what you already w- love and know about the bible right what if it's something objectionable and um it was really interesting i've i've got video of that i'll, I'll show it um to sort of watch the the, the christians i spoke with uh, uh process that um it did not immediately cause doubt or start making them wonder but it it, it you could tell the wheels were spinning and um um, you know, some of these contradictions nested in contradictions start to reveal themselves when you start thinking about it like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, some things are helpful.
0: Yeah, I, I, um, I look at the last verse of the book, of Gospel of John, where it said, you know, basically says, you know, Jesus did so many things that all the books in the world couldn't contain them. And I would, I, you know, I tried to talk with my cousin, one of my cousins uh, about that, because he's a toxic believer. And I said, you know, Hey, you've only got four gospels. Let's just pretend this, this, I know it's hyperbole. All the books in the world couldn't contain them. I said, let's just pretend that there are say a thousand more gospels. Okay. Not a billion. Let's just go a thousand, a number we could count to easily. I go, well, doesn't that, doesn't that amaze you? The fact that you have four out of a thousand, doesn't that let you know that maybe you don't have the whole story? And he's like, no, I know enough. I I know enough. That's all I need to know. (laughs) Like, well, can't argue with that. I mean, someone who's so willingly sticking his head up his own ass and like willingly, diff, you know, uh, ignorant, uh, and just like nope, I refused to let anything come in to shatter what I've already accepted to be as true. You know, th- that to me is is every bit as damning as the people who don't believe the election was real or who believe that Oswald acted alone or you know any of those things. Uh, it's just like you, you will refuse to acknowledge what evidence and, and truth about this. And you were, because uh, yeah. yeah, And and so I, I I was, that's why I was really happy with your book in that regard. Like, I want to know, you know, and people have studied this too. Like there is something unassailable to faith that, um, that since your, if your approach brings about some of the loose thing of that, I'm not going to say the conversion or deconversion, any loosening and, and providing some kind of conversation would be, would be helpful, I think, in the, the larger but, scheme of things.
1: To your point, what about the what about the passages that that provide evidence, like self evidence, like Romans nine fifteen, right, talking about how um, God really has kind of made his decisions about who he's going to pardon, who he's going to have uh, mercy on,
0: um, right? the, the predestination. Which was a whole sect of christianity, though you know the people who believed you know it's all preordained, and all you can do is hope that you're in that very limited number. The rest of you are just screwed, you know,
1: right, but it's still there, it's a yeah. very
0: important yeah, was it the Calvinists a very, I think
1: yeah, a remarkable thing to be in the Bible, and it gets it still gets used, and people don't understand what what exactly that means and and how the extent to which that contradicts just completely with
0: the notion of real love that you
1: you cannot have both
0: right i mean and with the fact that we look at when paul was telling people to not marry and things like that in the first century it's because he was thinking jesus was coming back like next week you know like look guys there's no time for this shit jesus is coming back in five days you got to get your stuff together man you know (laughs) And, and 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 that's the thing it's like it's been about nineteen hundred years, you know um and they they don't quite grasp the the reality is that he he was writing these books these his letters to certain audiences, not to anyone who spoke english because there was there was no one speaking around English at the time, and all the books of the Bible were not written for them, and they were not a it's a patchwork it's not a seamless garment, it's a patchwork of contradiction different audiences, different and different methods, and, and to shove an interpretation upon the text that fits a, an ideology is what's been done since the very beginning, since the books that were chosen for the Bible. That's how they were chosen. We don't like the politics of this book, so we're not going to include it. That's, that was how arbitrary some of these books were dismissed. Well, this guy says something that we don't agree with, so it can't be because you know we know better so there's this human arrogance and conceit that comes into how the book was all the 66 books were put together or you know more if you're uh, have a catholic bible um you know there's just so much bible history that christians are unaware of and but i don't even know if that would make a difference but i honestly i at this point i just i have no idea what's going to make a difference you know it, it wouldn't make a difference I would <laughs> assert. Um, yeah which
1: is why I, I don't I didn't decided not to go down the rabbit hole with it and yeah uh, I want to keep it keep it at the high level if we if we can't get past the questions that I'm asking there's no reason to go any deeper
0: right you' you're you're looking at things at like like intro to philosophy intro to ethics you know 101 um, kind of looking at and and extrapolating from a, a, a scenario some kind of moral truth or or reality and, and and then applying it in in a religious sense or to the believer. And applying is something innate that's being taught to believers. You know, you here's a story about Daniel in the lion's den, and now you apply it to your life and say when when you are in a lion's den metaphysically, uh, you know, God will save you. Um that's that's not True at all, but that's the the thinking. So that could be the you're in the fact that they're used to applying this abstract concepts into their daily lives, thinking that God will do this for them. That that might be the avenue that you get in with. Okay, since you are good at applying things, here here's a moral absolute. How do we inject that in? It's almost like you're uh, you're like a, an inoculation. <laughs>
1: no that's what I was hoping to be. But I will say this though, Mark, um, you're right you're you're 100% right the book is at a philosophy 101 level but i don't um i i don't I, did, I don't mean to imply that um that the deeper levels of discussion and consideration and analysis about philosophy are are not important to have i just don't think christianity ever earned its place at the table to be part of that discussion those are not good well grounded um Uh, tenets of philosophy, if you ask me. So I think it's very important. I reached out to uh, philosophers, anthropologists, psychologists in the writing of this book. Um, I asked for feedback. I wanted substantive feedback. I got it. So I care a great deal about that. But um, I just so I just want to make it very clear that even though my book is is high level, it's supposed to be something that um, anybody can understand. You don't need to have specialized knowledge to be uh, to understand and be swayed by the arguments one way or the other. in My book, that doesn't mean that that I think the nuances of what people are studying, even Bible uh, Uh historians and scholars, isn't important. It, Uh It certainly is. Christianity just doesn't just doesn't rise to that level right
0: we can't we can't get to those more nuanced arguments if if the big ones won't allow it, those thoughts to come through right the the exactly. shield is the shield is still up right no e- exactly um and i think that's because of my being on the inside that's why i chose the inside route because i'm thinking i I need to, I need to disrupt this from within, you know, um, as Shakespeare writes to be, have the Christians hoisted with their own petards, I'll dig under their minds, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that's the hope. And and by, by, you know, here, this is, this is, I'm not making this stuff up. This is in your Bible. Yeah. God says it's great to smash babies against rocks. Okay. God is thinking, here's the best way to populate the earth, incest. Okay. Uh, Adam and Eve had three sons. Let that sink in. Okay, so where did everyone else come from? You know, um, and it just start thinking about that. Here's the most supreme deity of being in the universe, and the best he could come up with was incest? You know, and, and then the toxic doctrine that comes from that, where they try to rationalize the behavior. It's because of the gene pool wasn't uh, disrupt, you know, corrupted yet, and all these horrible things that they will use. Um, As I write about in the chapter on incest, so I, I get it. It's like there is such a force against it, it. It can't anything that fights against the reality that has been constructed for them automatically gets dismissed because it, it, it it's it's just uh, it completely it's it's unassailable in the fact that they refuse to let anything challenge it. It's like they look the wrong way. Nope, I can't see it. They show them a mirror nope there's no face in that mirror i'm not going to look at that it doesn't that's not me you know it it is it is staggering um the kind of mental gymnastics that it's required to kind of make any headway let alone you know substantial headway so
1: yeah, I, and i'm I, learning I, so much from your book um mark like i'm like it's right here oh, i'm reading you. it um, i love it um so to your point about, uh, I think you're making a point, a stronger point about maybe somebody with a more fundamentalist view just now. And I, I totally agree. Um, but I say, even if you give them the benefit of the doubt, even if we're talking about the essence of Christians, as I call them, those that maybe don't really care about some of the Bible minutiae who see it more in a poetic, uh, or, uh, um, metaphorical light right They see the allegory as opposed to kind of an historic historical, historical, historical. it's a, it's inspired
0: it's still god inspired
1: right that right. yeah even if you're even if you're talking about the the philosophy of christianity from from their kind of more reasonable standpoint i still think that the that the that when you explore the the morals right the the the, the net result of the philosophy of christianity right it's it's such a mishmash of Um, things that are commonsensical and things that are um, are are, are quite uh, offensive and I just don't think that it's a good enough candidate to be um, taken seriously in in philosophical conversations it just it just hasn't earned it I'm not saying that it's wrong I'm just saying and that 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 that's been proven wrong I'm saying if you if a criticism of my book is that, hey, you've written this at too high a level, you need to um at least take uh have a master's degree in philosophy before you start opining about this. I would wholeheartedly disagree you 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 don't have to if you want to criticize um um my assertions about other gods being present or whether whether we have good evidence for um a a a theistic body in this universe, then that's a valid criticism. But you don't have to have good education to be able to point out some of the obvious shortcomings of Christianity.
0: Right. Yeah. And by high level... We we I want to carefully make sure that people not take that as high minded or high level and that you need the superior academic uh, you know ability to analyze or background like you said you don't need a Ph.D. but you're looking at things at the macro, not the micro, and right. and you are taking things at a very kind of basic, I won't say superficial, basic entry level like well let's just look at questions of belief. And morality and conviction, those kinds of those kinds of basic concepts, and try to come to some understanding there. So your your book is really about approaching and, and trying to come with an understanding, understanding both sides, and allowing people to at least mull over the considerations of, a, of an act, whether it is moral or good, in the, in the broadest sense possible, and then the hope of applying it to their belief you know, like, is there, can there their God does this. So if, if it's not moral here, why is it moral over here? You know, that's how I, that's how I read your book.
1: That's right. It's it, there's a lot of street epistemology in the book and yeah, that's right. I mean, let's, let's test whether these, the way you're forming your beliefs kind of makes sense. Let's see if we can come to agreement mm-hmm. about that at least. And you're right, Mark, I, I won't, um, I won't refute your use of the word basic to describe the the level that I some of my arguments are at but it it's like it, it goes back to that scene I gave you about the car that was smashed along the side of the road it it, it it's supposed to be basic mm-hmm. that level when somebody else walks up there and, and claims that that car was not smashed but but imploded on itself you don't get more complicated you don't get more lower level you don't explore the granularities there's a basic if that's the word we're going to use there's a a a a fundamental level that we need to be at to discuss whether that makes sense and explore going beyond
0: it's a first step perhaps you know it it is like what plato would or Socrates would make an argument. You have to start with a basis of where everyone can agree on something. You know, can we find what it is that we all agree on? You know, like in the nature of the the car. Like it it we we can rationalize things in our brain a series of events. And most rational people would take that the guardrail and the car is dented. It's right next to one another. We see the same color of the paint that's on the car and the guardrail. We see a skid mark, perhaps on the road. We can use was it you know did, was deductive or inductive deductive reasoning to put the chain of events together. That's how police procedurals are done. We find evidence and we make a picture based on what the evidence tells us. We point to a, a, a hypothesis, and I, that's exactly what your approach is in in a, in a gentle way. By looking at these things in the first steps in the simplest of terms, but simple is not bad. It's just like, we need to start somewhere and let's try to start with an understanding here before we can move on to anything else, you know?
1: Right. That's right. That's what I'm saying that the fun Christianity certainly has a fundamentals on which it's built on and built around. They're not good fundamentals. So I'm hoping to point that out. That's so fundamental is probably the, an even more apt term for it. Yeah.
0: No, I, I agree. I agree. Um, now, how long did it take you to write the ME playbook?
1: I think the whole process was about a year from the time I started writing down these uh, kind of independent ideas to the time when I when I closed it out and published it. Um, yeah, the 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 writing took a, a, a it was a, it was a slog. It was hard for me to to get through to have it um seem have it be cohesive to me to make the cases i want to make to be well organized to break out um the the dimensions of the arguments that i was making and have it not be repetitive and have it be interesting to the reader and i also wanted something that was uh novel too you know i didn't just want to write another book that um you know, made my case like everybody else's. So that's why I, um, so I wanted to make sure that when somebody read it, read it, whether they're a academician and writer like you, or whether um, they're just somebody on YouTube, it seems like I'm getting um, some the, the, the good <clears throat> praise that the book garners is kind of similar. It's like, hey, it's an easy read. I get it. You make your points and there's something that the reader can get. That's what I wanted out of it, right? And... That's the
0: technical writer in you coming out, right? So <laughs> you're, plain, you're plain language. I mean, I, that's why I love technical writing, plain language. I'm a plain language advocate, which flies in the face of academia. But, you know, keep it simple, stupid, or keep it short and sweet. You know, I, I, I'm I'm an advocate of that, so I get it. You're chunking information in bite-sized pieces. You're making it accessible for anyone who wants to read it and, and an attempt to apply it, and you're not shoving it down their throats. It's It's a very easy easy to understand read which is the first basis of understanding at all is to people have to know what you're talking about and, and to try to make it communicated as simply as possible
1: uh, you know i think i'll say something since uh, about you know from the writer's standpoint and for some of your readers in your audience um who are also writers right i don't um pretend to have any uh wisdom or special knowledge about how to write a book well or anything i'm just going to give you a, the benefit of my experience of having done it right cuz i tried a couple of times to write a book beforehand and it didn't it didn't take right i didn't get there it's it was it was failed in the sense that i never finished it but i didn't fail in this sense because the book was finished it's written it's a real book it's published um but, so when you set out to do that, if you if you want to, if you're concerned, and you should be, that you could fail if you don't plan it out right, or if you don't know the points at which you're going to get stuck, you know, try to have a plan that, that you can definitely abide by. Try to make some goals that are reachable. Now, I'm not saying... Don't shoot high. Okay. But I am saying, see the path all the way through. This is hard sometimes for writers, even especially fiction writers, right? Who who don't necessarily see the entire culmination of the end of the story, right? Sometimes there can be a justification
0: not to, to know that until you move through that. I think
1: that's a mistake.
0: Um, yeah, the pantsers do that a lot. There's a term, pantsers. They write by the seat of the pants. They don't. They have an idea for a story. They might have a a sentence or two for a, a, an idea for a chapter, but they just make it up as they go. And and for someone who's an academic like me who plots, I'm a plotter. I've got a 26 page outline for my current book, you know, color coded. That trying to pants it would drive me crazy as a writer. But for them trying to plot it out would you know. So we're all creatively different but I get what you're saying. I think it is important no matter what to have that goal or plan, especially when you're writing a book, the way what you're doing um, is because you, you know what it is that you're trying to communicate and you you have to have that end result in mind as you go. You can't just, you can't, it doesn't book like this, like yours doesn't happen by mistake, you know?
1: Yeah. And you're right. I, I, um, I know you're experienced in this, so I'll, I'll take your, your, Um, lead on that, that um, there are, you know, people come at it from different standpoints, right? Different skill sets, right? Some people are pantsers. That's that's what they bring to the process. And I mean, go for it, right? It's, that certainly can work, right? Sometimes people get- Perfection, um, certainly, right. Some people get lucky with that approach. It does work, you know, with just being fortunate for how it comes out. And sometimes just writing a, a different- over and over and over again will eventually get you where you want to be. I, I know that there's more than one way to do it, but I'm telling you that I narrowly avoided um, the fit, failing to complete my, this endeavor because of because my plan was not all that good. It turned out to be just good enough, and I got it done in a reasonable period of time. It didn't it didn't sit on a shelf and finally get done in 15 years. I would have considered that a failure, right? I, I, to, to me, that would have been. That's not I needed to get something out now. So if you're like me and you have a book and you want to get it done, um, I'm not saying to have the end written necessarily completely, but you you should have a very um, sort of comfortable path, even if it's going to take you a long time and a lot of energy and you're going to have to spend a lot more time on it. You really need to be able to see through to the to the end of the end of the tunnel and and then you'll get it done right and hey maybe it won't be the book that you wanted but you can build on that right the next book you do you can you can have your own uh, uh, approach which is more based on your own style but um, if you're if if you're writing your first book or you're changing genres and you want to make sure you get something done uh, uh, don't make it more grueling than you need to (laughs) that's my advice
0: There's always the the process, um, you know, like writing the draft is is always hard because you, you have an idea, but it's still you don't know from one sentence to the next, whether it's good or not, you know, and that's why what I hated to do when I was in college was revise. I thought, okay, I've got my draft on. I wrote my draft. It's done. Like, no, no, that's, that's a hard part, certainly, but revision is every bit as, you know, as difficult. And so you just learn by doing, as I teach my students, you just get to the point where you can write a better rough draft, but revision is is still key, but you still have to have that in mind, that goal, you know, and, and I, I agree with you. Sometimes writing is a slog, you know, my last book felt that way. I wanted to write it in a month and it's a pulp. So it was easy to do that. But I only had like one good day of writing where I felt one or two out of the 30 or 28 or so that I felt like I'm doing good work today. The rest, I felt nothing. And it felt like, oh, this is just, this is just grueling. Like, you know, um, and I think with a lot of writers, they'll, they'll hit a wall like three quarters of the way through where like at least I do, like by the time I hit three quarters of the way through, I'm done with the book. Like I want to just finish this thing because I've rehearsed the end so many times in my head. I know what's going to happen. I just have to force my fingers to do the work to type the words, you know? Um, so I'm not sure if that, if that was something that you felt as, as you went through this book or you had different emotional response to it. Cause like when you finish it, there's a great sense of relief in a way and, and that you can release it into the world, you know, but you have to go through, it's like an emotional, it's an emotional state of, of, of trial, you know, before you get to that point.
1: You do. And yes, I, I did Mark. I, um, I had trouble, uh, having a, excuse me, a refined, uh, iterative process that was hard. And I think that's, maybe you said it better than I was uh, attempting to say it. And that is, have a kind of have a real good sense of, of process. You know, you're, you have a story in mind, right? You, or you have a thesis you're going to um, break out and defend whether it's fiction or nonfiction or what have you, but, um, and, and you're passionate about it. And that is what you want to make sure that's what you are really trying to safeguard doesn't get lost in the process. And I get that, but um you're you're going to find if in my humble opinion that the process is very important in how you get there right otherwise you may not complete it your drafts may go off in a direction that you don't want you you may not have been anticipating what it takes to refine it to your level so get good at the process i i say it 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 doesn't rob you of whatever you know magic fairy dust or whatever word you want to use uh that you're bringing with to the story it, it it won't go away it's it's already formed it's already on paper you got it on your one pager it's not going anywhere you you have nothing to lose by coming at this like in the way that uh um, a foreman or a supervisor does to a construction site and saying okay things need to get done things need to be built right um i don't i don't think you have anything to
0: lose <laughs> No, I agree. Sometimes you get in the way of your own self when writing. You know, you just like you stand in the way uh, of of your success or just you know getting it done. But you know, I I completely uh, understand that. You know, and that's that's the one thing I love about this show. And and I know we've been here for about an hour and a half, so I'm gonna, I want to I want to wrap things up and not keep you from the rest of your day. Mm-hmm. But it's one thing I've loved about this show so much is that right, interviewing and talking with a lot of writers who are so very different. You know, we we all kind of go through this different processes we start with an idea and we end up with a book but how we get there it's so unique and different for every writer and and that's what i really love about doing this show and like for meeting people like you and and you know connecting in a in a way of, of our views of spirituality that's that's even from different points um that's great but just to just to hear and talk about the creative process um you know that's still fascinating to me because uh, there are times like I just don't want to write and I admire people who have that gumption to write every day, you know, and it's like, bravo, you know, I, I don't, I got to force myself sometimes to write and if I'm not feeling like it, you know, it's okay. But, um, but just that you've written something, uh, and and that you agree, you got to get it done. I, I will take that also as like, yeah, I got to get back on my own horse (laughs) and start writing again. Yeah.
1: Well, I, um, yeah, you're right. That it's 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 neat how there's so many different ways that that this can be done, and it's still all culminate in the same basic, uh, you know, a tome. It's a book at the, at the end, mm-hmm. right? It's a it's a story. It's it's really cool how there can be so many different approaches to it, and I really appreciate that you took time today and and showed some interest in in uh me and and the book that i've written and and i hope i offered you something of value to your to your viewers and so forth
0: oh i'm sure you did and certainly to me and i've i've thoroughly and enjoyed this our talk and i i really appreciate you taking the time to to meet with me as well and and um the last thing i want to ask you and for all of our our viewers where can we find your books or your sure, book on, yeah um,
1: it's on, yeah it's on amazon um and the name of the book is enemy playbook two words so you can go right to Amazon and buy it. But um, I direct most people to the, the website, um, Pastor Lucky. It's P-A-S-T-O-R, all one word, pastorlucky.com. And uh, there's a button or two on the, on the main page, which takes you to that, uh, to the page
0: on Amazon to buy it. Excellent, excellent. Well, thanks again. I'm going to do my outro. We're going to get out of here. But thank you again for for your time today, Eric. Um, this has has been very enlightening, and um, I'm glad we got a chance to talk about it because I, I really liked your book and that it was such a different approach to things. And I'm glad that you were able to we were talk about it because I had a lot of questions, like your approach, and now I understand it very thoroughly. And like, okay, it makes so much sense now, because um, it is a very vastly different approach than than how I approach it. So, and now I know why it is so, and that that's wonderful. So. Uh, you've been watching and listening to Between the Lines. You can find us at unsaneradio.com, listen to full episodes or download to your device. You can watch us on our YouTube page, Between the Lines Podcasts. If you're watching, that's probably where you're at. Don't forget to hit the like and subscribe button. And you can also find us on the Hotel Talk channel on Roku. If you know someone who'd like our show, tell about us. And if you're a writer who'd like to join me for a chat, email me at Between the Lines 54 at yahoo.com. Between the Lines 54 at yahoo.com. And Eric, here's my cheesy outro. See you next time between the lines.